everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Young Conductors Podcast. We are your hosts, Sean and Cole, and today we're going to talk about something that we think will be very helpful um, for young conductors, and that would be creating your own opportunities. Cole, why don't you kick us off? Sure. When thinking about, like, creating opportunities I mean like Sean and I were planning for this podcast and I said to him it's so interesting like how much ground we cover between the two of us because all of our experiences are like somewhat similar but they're also like very different and I think because Mm -hmm. we're like different disciplines like that may add to it like his experiences as an orchestra conductor are going to look way different than mine but the ideas are still there So like before we dive into um, talking about these specific um, opportunities that we've been able to um, have during the past few years, I I do want to say like where we start is something that is really important to think about and really crucial, I think, to deciding um, like what kind of opportunities you want to create for yourself. So I want to say that thinking about the last episode, we talked about where to start as conductor teachers. We talked about that for high school students. We talked about it for college students and people who are either about to graduate or are already out in the uh, world doing something. So I want to say that before you jump in as a freshman college student or a high school marching band uh, drum leader what is it drum major um drum major field drum commander major. all kinds yes. of different words <laughs> all the things um i want to say that if you aren't ready to be doing those things if you aren't already doing those things you should be in lessons i think or in conversations with your teacher so if you're a college student mm-hmm. and you're a freshman and you're like oh i'm gonna create a choir it's like, yes, I love the enthusiasm, but really like we need to learn about how to be a conductor teacher before we can dive into that. So that's like a little caveat that I want to add to that. And if you're curious about where to start, you should definitely listen to our last um, episode if you haven't already. But the reason why I say that is because you, as the conductor teacher um, in the setting that you're in, and we're going to talk about those different settings today, you should be really competent at your instrument and your musicianship. And so that is something that takes time, right? So um, I would say having a good relationship with your mentor slash teacher and being able to ask them like, oh, do you think I'm ready to do this kind of thing? And they'll they'll be honest with you. They'll be like, well, no, I mean, maybe you should take conducting lessons before you jump into that. Or maybe you should take voice pedagogy or string pedagogy before you jump into teaching whatever. so I think that's that's really important um, to know. And I before and I we jump also, in, I would also add to that. To it's very easy to to just like kind of think like, oh, I know that stuff. I know that stuff. But there's always probably at least one thing that you that you don't know. So make right. sure that you you are teachable like throughout that whole process as well. No, no, yeah, totally. Um, And I will say like one of the first things that um, I was thinking about with creating opportunities is something that your teacher will most likely help you out with your private conducting teacher or, you know, whatever private um, instrument you're taking lessons in. Master classes are a really great way to start fine tuning your craft. Um, And Sean and I both participated in master classes at different levels, um, but I feel like I've taken so much away 
from that, those experiences, but also I feel like if I didn't have the knowledge and the experience built up in the master, before the master class setting, I wouldn't have been able to take as much away. So, so we're going to dive into some, some specific opportunities that are going to help you grow as a young conductor teacher um, and places you can start talking. So one of those is the church and Sean is our designated church musician. So tell us about the church, Sean. <laughs> sure. So I figured I would just kind of um, explain how I started uh, with the church and kind of how that, that grew. So um, in high school, well, more, maybe more the middle school level, I was kind of just like tinkering around on piano. And I was always obsessed. Like I'd go to church and I'd hear the organ and that'd be like, the only thing I paid attention to because I was just obsessed with the sound of the organ. So Nerd. <clears throat> I know. Right. Um, so that kind of led me to, to want to take a piano, try to learn a little bit of piano. I was thankful that my, my high school strings teacher, um, in addition to studying violin, he also studied piano. So he had like really good piano experience. So he helped me out a lot um, in my middle school days. And then eventually my church organist started to get like really old. <laughs> she was missing church a lot. So they were like, hey, Sean, why don't you? Yeah, right. She, they were like, Sean, why don't you like play? And I was like, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but sure. So, you know, I just kind of made my way um, to the organ. And thankfully, I'm sorry for all organists out there. You will probably hate me when I say this. There's a bass coupler, which means that the you could play all the pedal notes with your left hand, so you don't actually have to use the pedals. So that is absolutely how I started out um, playing the organ, just because I didn't have any of that experience or a teacher uh, in organ at that time. But anyways, kind of fast forward a little bit, I ended up playing a wedding at a small a small church, and the pastor was like, "Hey, we need an organist." And I was like, wow, okay, sure, I'll do it. So I actually, I was with that church for like five years, maybe. I was like 15, I think five years, yeah. And then um, when I got to WVU, I started taking organ lessons so I could actually play the organ and don't have to use the bass coupler anymore. I can use the pedals. Um, Just to brag about then, Sean for a second. He was taking, at the time, violin lessons, tuba lessons, organ lessons, and conducting lessons. Continue yes. on what you were saying. <laughs> yes, it was, it was quite a lot. Um, you know, jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Um, no, I don't agree. <laughs> so anyways, a, a different opportunity uh, with the churches kind of came up with a different church and it allowed for like a little more income, um, a little more support uh, for the, for their music program. And it was also attached to a school. So that was kind of cool because I could work with some of the students as well. And they had, they had a pretty nice organ and a piano, which is always a good thing to have both. Uh, so anyways, I, I transitioned into that church and um the the principal had asked me a couple of times to help with their children's choir and they have like a normal like children's choir 
teacher, but she is like kind of far away. Like she lives, I think an hour and a half away. I mean, I do too, but <laughs> she sometimes isn't able to get there. So I prepared a couple of performances. They did like a veterans day thing. Um, they always, they always perform for the Christmas Eve services and that kind of stuff. So even just that little thing, obviously I didn't really do a whole lot of conducting, but I at least got some teaching in there, which is really cool. Um, and also during like the big holidays, Christmas, Easter, you normally have a lot more musicians. Uh, this Easter it was super busy. So I didn't get to have, I actually didn't have any extra musicians other than our regular church choir. But for Christmas, I had a violinist and we had the choir and I had a canter, so all this stuff. So that could require just a little bit of conducting. So I think I think the church stuff is a really great start for just like really minimal conducting. Obviously, you don't want to look like you're conducting a Mahler symphony with your church choir, but it's definitely some good experience. Um, and, you know, to do that, you should really um, buff up your piano skills. I know it's easier said than done, but... I think I said this in the last video, how important keyboard skills are to me, at least as a, a conductor. I mean, also, you know, <clears throat> you were an instrumentalist and you were like, all of a sudden had a choir. I remember that. Like you were like right. <laughs> asking me questions all the time. Yes. I was and like, like what well, do I do? You, are you warming them up? And you're like, no. And I'm like, Sean. <laughs> that also, that Please. also requires me to, like sing a lot and I, I wouldn't say that I'm like a bad singer but I'm in no way a trained singer there was one time I had to play a funeral and I had to sing Ave Maria and Cole was giving me a voice <laughs> lesson in our apartment <laughs> Ave Maria and, I mean it went okay oh. but that was pretty nerve-wracking <laughs> well I just think this is like the moral of the story is like church jobs I think really help train you as a musician oh yeah in more ways than sure. one like i mean <clears throat> sean and i both participated in church jobs and i remember like i feel that like through i because i was in uh, like a a music staff member and i was just like sing in the choir and play in the handbell choir as well but like those experiences i think helped me grow as a musician i mean like my sight reading skills improved um being able to like play handbells for example i'd never done that before and that was like really exciting to like learn and being a part of a, a different type of ensemble but i just i do want to say that like church jobs i feel being a professional musician like you i didn't expect it at first but like the church really becomes something that you end up participating in a lot as a professional musician mm -hmm. um in varying capacities so uh, aside from the church something else um that we would like y'all to think about is like summer activities. Um, these are varying. There's different kinds of summer activities. There's, there's jobs, there's camps, there's all that kind of stuff. And, and Sean and I kind of talk about once again, our different experiences, um, like in how we filled our summers as like aspiring conductor teachers, even though we're still, we're still young and we're still, <clears throat> Um, trying to do that to career <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that it's really important to always fill your summer with some type of um experience filled opportunity so the reason why i say that is because you're young and and like i said this podcast is really dedicated to those high school college young teacher 
seniors area age levels varying age levels um but you're young right now so there's like no time like the present to dive into these things right it's going to be a lot harder to do a summer job like when you have a family and like if you have a family and if you have kids and if you just like where you move and all that stuff and it's easier to do this now so i think um yeah so sean why why don't you talk about like summer no i i I sure about this oh okay um (laughs) so uh when I was a rising sophomore in college, I got this really cool opportunity to be a part of the summer academy. And most times when I describe it to people, they think it's like, oh, it's like a summer camp, like interlocking or something like that. And that's not at all what this was like. I was a, I was a 18, 19 year, I was 19. And um, all of a sudden I'm teaching a high school class and like four different classes. I had the lesson plan. I had to write curriculum. I had a mentor teacher that was coming in to observe and write feedback. There are all these things. It was like a real teaching job during the summer. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm gonna try to cut this short because I could talk about the summer experience <laughs> all day as Sean has, because it really changed me a lot. It, it, it did, it really changed me a lot. Yeah. I grew not only as like, a teacher, but also a human through this experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I do want to say that it was like really rewarding to just like dive in to the teaching aspect of the summer. And I know that a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, um, do some type of summer camp in some varying capacity. Like I remember Sean would go work his high school band camp for the summer. And that's like really great experience. And I know that a lot of band people do things like that. Choir people, there's not really like choir camps. That's not really heard of very often, but I know for instrumentalists, like diving in, reaching out to your high school program, seeing if they have some type of summer initiative, applying for those camps like Interlochen, or I know there's a place in Michigan that does a music camp, like wherever, um, applying to be some type of counselor and getting that type of experience where you're in charge of a group of people, where you're leading musical settings is going to be really, really beneficial, I think. So, so yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anything else to yeah, say I was going to, I was just going to, I was going to talk about, um, I kind of took the easy way out a few years and did, uh, band camps, my, my high school band camp. Um, I also helped out my, program also has a string summer camp which is really cool so I helped out a couple years uh with that as well so I'd you know reach out to your high school directors I'm sure they would love to to have you come back and help and maybe not even just your high school I mean your area high schools or maybe somewhere that you've been wanting to go for the summer and just say hey I'm going to be here if you need some help um I also when you talked about interlocking I remembered one time, my violin teacher, she, she, this was a couple of years ago, she was like, hey, you should come help out in, at Interlochen with us. And I was like, mm, no, I really don't want to do that because I don't want to travel there to the, for the summer. And just thinking back on that, that would have been such a great opportunity and experience mm-hmm. for me. So just to kind of say, never say no, really, at this stage. Um, of of your career, even our careers, I tend to not say no to things, which has its pros and cons, but definitely (laughs) go for every opportunity that you're given. So what about workshops? Aren't you participating in a workshop this coming summer? Oh, yeah, yeah, workshops, good. 
Um, so I'll start off by saying there are mainly, well, for, of course, I'm looking more at like orchestral conducting stuff. I'm not sure about choir uh, or wind, but there are a plethora of conducting master classes, summer workshops, all of that kind. But literally, if you type in on Google conducting master class or summer conducting workshop, something will pop up. And mm -hmm. really, there, you kind of have to, you know, go through and think like, is this worth six thousand dollars for how much podium time i'm getting that kind of thing so always match like the price of the tuition with the podium time and just the overall experience that you're getting um like i i was gonna go to this master class last summer maybe it was two summers ago but it was in bulgaria but it was so expensive and the podium time was like kind of nice so I like really wanted to do it but it was just too expensive at the time so I decided not to do that um but this summer I am attending it's actually it's called the everything but conducting seminar I don't know if any orchestral conductors have heard of everything conducting but they're a really great uh group of people um that kind of do this similar thing they provide uh some information for young conductors which is really cool but I'm doing their seminar in Omaha, Nebraska this summer. Um, so after that happens, I would love to share the experiences I learned there. Yeah. Well, I also think it's, I've, I've also seen a lot of workshops, like summer workshops that I've been looking at for myself. <clears throat> and what I see, maybe this is more on the choir side, but I, most places it's like a university that I see <clears throat> and they're going to have like a summer conducting symposium or something like that and usually i what i see are their tracks usually there's like a choral and a wind or like a choral mm -hmm. wind orchestral like it, it varies but what i notice is that a lot of the places usually in the states it's going to be around like six hundred dollars if you want to be like a conductor with podium time and then it's going to be like 300 if you just want to go and observe and yeah. i think that you know that's nice that there are some varying levels of what you can do to participate so you don't always have to jump in to conduct i mean a lot of times when i'm learning i i learn through watching other people work than i do like myself and so there's i think there's value in that and being able to be in an ensemble and with a conductor that is working on things like you also learn yourself so i think that's that's pretty yeah, important for sure so um, but next we're going to talk about non-traditional ensembles and the Sean and I just want to state that this is a blanket term. It's a little confusing, but we were trying to like put a bunch of our term. <laughs> yes. All, a, a bunch of experiences that we've had. And so non-traditional ensembles basically just means it's not your stereotypical SATB choir, your, you know, universities, orchestra. It, it, it's a little different. There, there's some flexibility here. Um, so I think it was my sophomore year, I started taking conducting lessons, or maybe it was my junior year, um, I can't remember, but I was taking conducting lessons, like and yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I was taking private conducting lessons, and, um, my teacher, you know, we talked about me trying to get more experience and uh, we talked about this in the last episode, but conductors, most of the time we practice in isolation. 
or in front of our teacher who is like usually at the piano or if there's like a recording or something. And I wanted to get more specific experience like in front of an actual ensemble because I feel like I make choices in my conducting lesson, but I don't really know if it's going to be helpful to the ensemble or if it makes sense musically what to do with my gesture and stuff. And so I decided to make my own ensemble, um, which was a journey. It was interesting. Sean can can tell you he was uh, one of our tenors, and um, <laughs> I and sure it was. was it was actually really it was really exciting. Um, I, I I did it with a, a friend briefly, and then he he stopped doing it just because of he got busy. But both of our names started with a K. This other friend, and so we called it uh, Chorus with a K, which I still think <laughs> is is cute, and I thought it was really clever. But what I did is I got a bunch of friends and I said, hey, listen, I can't pay you or anything, but if you're free, like one night a week for like an hour, like, would you be willing to come and sing through some music? And we got a bunch of people. I mean, when we first started, I think there were like 20 something people that came and we were in this little classroom in our, our music building. And I asked a, um, a scrounge some money together to pay for an accompanist to come in and um she was a little a little bumpy but you know experience is experience all experience is good experience for everybody involved That's and right. so she she got her her starting uh accompanying job but um yeah i got a bunch of friends together and i picked some music out of the library um my teacher was really awesome to let me do that and we just made music and I grew in my conducting skill. I grew in my teaching skill. And I, I wanted it to be, how do I put this? The summer job that I was doing, I was getting loads of teaching experience. But it was usually at the beginner level that I was right. teaching. And I wanted to have some advanced experience. And, you know, and it was important to note that everybody that was in the room, most like 90% of the people that were in the room were like advanced musicians varying with instruments i mean we had instrumentalists in there we had singers and then we had some people who were like not musicians which was fine and then there was we were able to still make music but i found that experience really exciting as a young conductor teacher to just get in front of a group and just do it do the thing that we are studying about so i just want to say that like this is not me saying go out there and create your ensemble I want to connect from the beginning that I talked to my teacher before I made right. that decision. Um, and she felt that I was ready to pursue that, that um, opportunity. So um, if you decide to make your own ensemble, if, if you're a strings person and you get a little quartet together, I think that's a really good idea. If you are a wind person and you do like a brass quintet and you just start playing through some things and conducting, I mean, it could really be anything. It doesn't have to be pieces that normally need a conductor. Um, and I think you just kind of get creative with it. But it's also about making connections with friends. And Sean made a, a cool connection when he was an undergrad. So I'll let you talk yes. about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I would I would say just to kind of talk about what you're, what you're saying, you'd be surprised at how many of your friends like want to support you and that they will actually do, do this type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so never be afraid to ask, even though it's 
tough to ask, most of the time they will say yes. And if they say no, then another person will say yes. So always ask people. Um, but yes, friends in, in college. <laughs> <laughs> it is so important to make connections with all kinds of people. Um, in particular, in this experience, there was a composer friend. Uh, her name was Una. And she had composed a piece and she needed it to be performed for, for her uh, composition recital. And she had asked me to rehearse and conduct a piece on the performance. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to. And this, that was kind of my first, like, getting out there type of thing. And it was obviously a, a contemporary piece. And so it was a little tough for me at first. But my, thankfully, my uh, conducting teacher um, is really really familiar with modern music. So he was able to kind of help me pick out some things to listen for and that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's always important to make connection with those friends because then they will ask you to do these type of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I will, I think I'm going to talk about that a little bit later also. I guess I could talk about it now. Um, no, I'll move on to something else, sorry. Uh, so yeah, there was that. And then studio class ensembles, we decided to start a tuba euphonium ensemble. And I was like, hey, I'll conduct it. I'm trying to be a conductor. I'll do it. <laughs> so I was, I was probably annoying, but I wanted to do it. So um, <laughs> and you did it. So. And I did it right. And they let me do it. And it was fun. And everybody had a great time. Um, so obviously, you know, tuba and euphonium players, that was very low stress like just fun music making um so that was really cool and more recently i had a friend who was uh she's a dma student and she had to do her recital and she was like hey I, i'd really love to do strauss four last songs on my on my recital do you think we could get together an orchestra and I was like, wow, I love that piece. We must do this. So I emailed like several people and we were able to form this small chamber orchestra. And there's actually a chamber orchestra arrangement for it, um, which is very nice. I can send information for that if anybody wants that. Um, so again, creating your own ensembles, it all goes back to that as well. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, a, a unique experience that happened uh, for me, actually pretty recently, fairly recently, as in last uh, semester, I was coming into grad school and I was super excited to dive into teaching choir at the university level. And all of a sudden I get an email in my inbox from the um, director of piano at the university that I'm attending right now. And there was this opportunity to be the musical director for uh, a musical here happening at the university. I'd never done that before. And I was really hesitant to say yes. And so I called and I asked questions about the position and I said, I'm not a pianist. So if that's what you're expecting, I, I'm not gonna be able to fulfill that fully. <laughs> but they were like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. 
So I said yes, and I became the musical director for this um, children's musical. And I want to clarify, yes. yes. I want to <laughs> clarify that these are adults singing in a children's musical. And it was geared <laughs> towards um, inviting a bunch of elementary schoolers to come to campus and watch. And so it was called the Rainbow Fish Musical, which was a, a, a musical based on the Rainbow Fish book. And it was really cute and really exciting. And I was super nervous when I first started doing it, but I ended up becoming less nervous as time went on. Um, my piano skills, I was lucky enough to be in a, an accompanying class last semester. And actually, I just finished up the second half this semester. And the whole idea of that class, just to go on a brief tangent, was is that the piano is a tool. It can, it can either help or hinder you as a teacher. And if you're not a trained pianist and you can't do all the things, then you need to make a system for when you are in front of a piano that does not hinder the choir. Um, and so I was really lucky to be in that class at the time of being this musical director because I was applying things that I was learning in an actual setting with musicians, actually beginning musicians, most of them. Um, and it, it ended up being a really great experience. So I didn't do much conducting in that. Um, mostly because I was leading rehearsals from the piano, but we had tracks that we would sing along with that the actual musical used, and I did conduct in those settings. So it was kind of cool to, to be a part of like the whole music learning process um, and not just be waving my arms and, and doing some rehearsal techniques with people to like actually bang out the notes for people and give them vocal help and all that stuff. So so yeah, like Sean said, never said no, never say no. Um, most times, most times, never say no. Most times, yeah. <laughs> to, to opportunities, to really good opportunities, they're going to help you grow, right? Because like, yeah, if we stick with what's just comfortable, there's not going to be no growth. And I think there's a saying that says like, true change and growth comes from feeling discomfort. Um, mm -hmm. And now, if they were to ask me again, I don't know if I would say yes, just because of I got it got so busy. <laughs> it got it got so right. busy for me. Yeah. Um, because I was a student, I was doing my GTA duties and then adding this on, we were doing like rehearsals for like three hours, like every, it was a lot. Um, but um, I was able to grow from that experience. I mean, and that's really at the end of the day, that's kind of what you want. You know, you don't really want to coast along um, and thinking that you're the bomb.com, but like, I don't know. I, I was able to grow and I'm, I'm really thankful for that. So, yeah. Um, I'd like to to circle back to to those connections that you make. Um, last semester, I got to conduct an opera, which was so cool, such a great <laughs> experience, so much fun. Um, and that that happened purely because of a connection that I had. Um, and the connection was actually through Cole. So when Cole and I were both in our undergrad, he had talked about me to the opera director. Uh, we had never met before. And she was new too. Cole, she was brand new. She was, yeah, brand new. And Cole was just like, yeah, I have this conductor friend. He's trying to do orchestral conducting. So like, if you ever need him for like opera scenes or you want him to help like with a coaching or whatever, like you should reach out. And then I, maybe you mentioned that I played piano to her as well. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but that was, by the way, that was very helpful in conducting and rehearsing the opera was piano skills as well. Um, so last semester rolled around and the opera professor, sure enough, asked me if I'd like to conduct the opera. And I was like, yes, I would love to conduct the opera. 
So that formed another connection um, with the opera director. And I had some experience uh, this semester accompanying um, people on piano in her like master class slash rep class that we had this semester. So that was a really great experience as well. Um, so just always, always be thinking about connections, how you can connect with people. It's okay to be slightly annoying just to like get your name out there and just say hi. I mean, people might not think that anno that's annoying, but some people might, but it's okay. Don't feel that way. <laughs> But also, like, not everybody wants to conduct. And this this um, professor that Sean is talking about, like, she conducted in, like, the fall semester of, like, a year ago. Or whenever she first got there, um, before she asked Sean, and she hated conducting. And right. she was even, like, for the final piece of that opera scene, she was like, can you conduct it? And I was like, yeah, sure. But I just saw, like, I was like, she doesn't want to do this. And, like, Sean would... I was I was like I'm leaving Sean would like be awesome at this and it'd be right. really great experience especially with instrumentalists um joining in for it so so yeah I mean I was really happy to see that especially because it was all the people that I loved and that I was leaving and then seeing Sean be able to experience like my It'd world it yeah. was kind of yeah for sure <laughs> kind of cool so um there's one there's one last thing I want to talk about uh with these type of ensembles and that is this was a brand new thing this semester to us. There was a film ensemble and a, a mass email went out to all the music students uh, asking who would be interested and all the class information and all this stuff. And I told myself that would be an amazing experience. I'd be working with a click track, which I've never done before. And that's like a big thing in conducting world, being able to work with a click track and, 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 and movie and film. So I emailed the professor and I asked him <laughs> if he wanted me to conduct. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Come conduct it. I was like, great. Another experience. Here we go. So just yeah, because he would have had to again, conduct it. If he <laughs> right. He would have had to, and he probably didn't want to. So yeah, just, just put yourself out there. Um, so those are those, that kind of wraps up our non-traditional ensembles. Um, now we kind of want to talk about what you can do in your community and how maybe you can get in with community ensembles or even form uh, your own community ensembles. Um, so thinking about, um, this is years ago, I just forgot about this until we were um, planning this episode, but I was a rising sophomore, I think, or no, I was a freshman. This is years ago. But well, a friend of like, mine who was, I know, I know. <laughs> this is probably about like seven or six years ago. A friend of mine who happened to be a doctoral student conducting at WVU, um, she was in charge of this um, youth choir, like this community youth choir that happened through the WVU School of Music. Um, and she wanted some help and she wanted to like provide me with my first conducting opportunity. This was my very, very, very first. And she was like, come in, I'll give you one piece. You can um, start warming them up too. And you can teach this piece and you can help us with social media and stuff. 
And I was like, absolutely, absolutely. And I loved that experience. It was so great. It was a really interesting learning process for me because I wasn't taking lessons, which I really wish I would have now because I'm like, wait, how do you conduct a pattern in 9-8? But now I know, you know, now I know. Um, (laughs) But it, it was really exciting getting to connect with people who just wanted to be there to make music. You know, they didn't have to be there for a class. They didn't have to be there for like a grade, I guess, goes inside with the class or um, they weren't forced to be there. They wanted to be there because they loved making music. And especially this right. youth choir, it was like varying ages. It was like 10 to 18. So I had to like figure out how am I going to get these students engaged and excited about the music that we were learning. And we did um, John Rudder's Give Me Wings. If anybody knows that, it's a really sweet song for treble voices. Um yeah, it was really, really awesome. And it, it really helped me grow as a teacher, I think, to realize that um, I had to like, kind of switch my verbiage a bit to make it more um, understanding to these like, not as experienced musicians. And so I, I'm really thankful that that friend of mine gave me that opportunity to do that. So it's interesting how, like I said, Sean and I have similar experiences, yet yet so different. Right. But Sean... I notice is, how we're always talking about friends and connections. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, putting yourself out there and marketing yourself and making friends is, is just a, a small part. It's actually interesting. The other day, Radford had a... Um, we premiered a, a piece on our last concert, and the composer came. She came from Portland. And she was talking to us um, the day after the performance, uh, kind of just having a conversation and getting to, to know her and work with her. And she said something that was pretty profound, and I think it's important to talk about in this moment, is that most of her music making and her outreach opportunities where people reach out to her to do things, mostly came from the friends that she made in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we were in undergrad together singing in choir, and then now here they are at a high school or a college or whatever, and they're inviting me to come and work with their choirs and premiere, write music for them and all that stuff. And she said, like, like I said, like, they were all the friends that she made in her 20s. And I think that that's so interesting to think about, you know, like, already when, um, I don't know, in five years, if I'm reaching out to Sean to do something, or I have friends that are that are professional singers now, like reaching out to them as soloists and stuff. I, I think it's just so exciting to think about the endless possibilities that we can do with friends um, and the mm-hmm. people we connect with. But thinking about the community ensemble, Sean here is an expert in the world that is the Morgantown, <laughs> West Virginia musical community, yada, yada, yada. So this is our this is our last. I don't segment, know about so. that. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean. um, well, yeah, we'll probably go off on another tangent. That's what we do. Um, but yes, I am the assistant director of the Morgantown Community Orchestra, um, and that was a position that I kind of um, <laughs> tried to get started. So what had happened was. Well, I guess nothing really happened. I just, I was aware that there was a community orchestra and I knew that I wanted to help out in some way because a community orchestra is a great start uh, for young conductors as well. So I talked to the, the head of our community music program 
and I just expressed my interest in in working with the orchestra if they ever need help. And she said to me, "Oh yeah, we'll create an assistant director position." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So so with that position, we have weekly rehearsals, and uh, we only normally have about two concerts a year, so one per semester. This semester uh, we have two. Uh, we actually just got done with our our uh, concert this last Saturday. Um, I unfortunately I only get to do one or two pieces on the concert them, um, but one of the pieces was the fourth movement of Dvorak's Eighth Symphony, which if you know that it's so exciting, and they did a really nice job with it. I, I'm really proud of what they were able to accomplish. Um, so aside from the community orchestra, there is uh, this friend that I have who is also really prominent in our like community music program. Um, she loves to put together these smaller ensembles. Uh, we had a, a, a group called the Sinfonietta and that was mostly younger uh, students or younger kids. And I got to conduct that as well. So a lot of conducting experience there and also teaching experience. Um, also teaching experience with the community orchestra because there's some high school kids in there as well, but mostly adults. So it's kind of, it's, there is a different style of teaching with community orchestra or the symphonietta. Um, and then from that symphonietta, we kind of broke out in different parts. We uh, recently were rehearsing a nonette. Um, we did a performance of that. Then we were doing another one, but the performance kind of fell through. So we weren't able to do it, unfortunately. But all of that to say, I have this connection with this person who really loves to go out and do these things and will put together people. Um, so again, make those connections, always be networking and yeah. Yeah. So if you made it this far in the episode, we, we really thank you for, for listening <laughs> yes, to us kind of absolutely. go off on many tangents. But to get back to the importance of this episode and why we wanted to have this separate conversation is, is that there are many opportunities out there that are just awaiting for someone like you to, to go in and, and to help and, and, and grow and learn and a lot of them are not going to be paid, but that's okay because I think experience is 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 oh, yeah. priceless. It's priceless, yeah. and then eventually, when you're a, a, a big name conductor, you can start charging a good amount to do those things. But and, until then, until then, um, it's pretty important to to say yes to a lot of opportunities. And like we've talked about, reach out to people, connect, um, market yourself, but also remember, uh, make sure that you're you're ready to do that. Um, so yeah, thanks for for watching. We want to end yes, thank you so with much. our uh, conductor suggestions for this episode. So we're going to do that every episode to give you two people to to look at, um, and I'll share mine first. And so if you're in the choir world right now, and you um, happen to go to the National ACDA or see videos, um, a really 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 important and profound conductor right now is Jason Max Bernard, Dr. Jason Max Bernard, and he just became, as of this past year, the director for activities at the University of Maryland at College Park. Before that, he was at uh, Oakwood University 
with the group the Aeolians. Um, and they performed a few years ago at National ACDA and it kind of shook everyone. I mean, it was just a really profound, amazing experience. And he is so fascinating. And I have been under his baton um, actually recently um, this past spring he conducted a Carnegie Hall and I was able to be in the choir um, underneath of him. And he, his ideas and his musicality and his heart really just show up in, in everything that he does. And so he is the definition of a conductor teacher. And so there are a lot of amazing videos. Recently, he created his own professional ensemble called the Jason Max Ferdinand Singers. And it's amazing. The music that they're making and the stories that they're telling um, and the way that they're able to reach audiences. So if you just look up Jason Max Ferdinand, a bunch of stuff's going to pop up. Um, but I definitely think you should, should look into to him and um, see what's up. So yeah, Sean. Yeah. So one of my um, right now favorite conductors is Andres Orozco Estrada. And he, obviously he's conducting all over the place. Um, but like uh, Jason Max Ferdinand, he is an extremely passionate conductor. Unfortunately, I've never got to see him live. So that's like a dream of mine, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's a, a recording I can recommend that really showcases like who he is as a conductor, I think um, it's his recording with the Frankfurt Radio Symphony um, of New World Symphony, Dvorak nine that recording is probably my favorite recording of that piece so we could probably put the link uh so you guys can listen if you'd like sure um well thanks again for watching if you've been this far we are so 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 thankful for the audience that is is watching is interacting all of that good stuff um yes. you are the always reason why we're doing this to us. we probably like the questions yeah yeah dm us and let us know what you'd like to hear um so with all that being said, thank you so much. Thanks for watching and have a great rest of your day. Thank Bye you. Bye. Bye.